Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3 of Don't Eat Your Young. I'm your host, Beth Quas. We have an exciting season coming up. We have so many great guests. Uh, our first guest this season is Sandra Capito. She is a nurse from Australia. Uh, it was recorded last fall, uh, and because of timing, we couldn't get it on the show until this season, but it's a great season. There may be some discussion on COVID that maybe is a little old, but still she's an amazing guest and has a lot of good information to share. I'd also like to give a big shout out to my latest Patreon subscription members, Pete and June. Thank you so much for continuing to support this show. If you would like to be a member, you can go to don'teatyouryoung.com and click on the Patreon icon to be a subscriber for the show and get early access, and there are other perks of becoming a member. I hope you enjoy the show, and please, if you're interested in being a guest, reach out. Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a nursing podcast with your host, Beth Quas. Before we get started, we have a few quick notes. Don't Eat Your Young is a listener-supported podcast. To learn more about becoming a member and the perks available to you for becoming a patron yourself, visit patreon.com slash don't eat your young. You can learn more about the show, share your story to join Beth as a guest, or connect with our wonderful community in our Facebook group. You can find all those links and more at don'teatyouryoung.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young. Today I have Sandra Capito. She's an RN in Melbourne, Australia. I'm so excited to have somebody from so far away so that we can hear a little bit about how things are in Australia. So welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Beth. It's great to be here. Um, life in Melbourne at the moment is a bit crazy. We're still in lockdown. This is our sixth lockdown and um, we've got a lot of fear in the community at the moment, a, little, a lot of uncertainty as well. And so um, we come, I'm coming from you from my living room and um, if we're not allowed to, if we're not working or going out for appointments or shopping, we need to stay put. At the moment, we have about a five-kilometre uh, radius that we're not allowed to uh, go past unless you are going to work. So this is our life at the moment, and we're looking at a bit of light, a bit of light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccination rollout, and that's where I sort of come in. I've been doing quite a bit of um, vaccinating um, at one of the state-wide hubs here in Melbourne, and we're just churning out um, the vaccinations, and that's. Um, an area of real big reflection for me where I've come in as an, as a senior nurse now and, um, looking and observing the newer nurses coming in. And it's just interesting to see the different dynamic. And I can recognize a lot of myself in those new nurses. So it's been, whilst it's a very transactional kind of nursing with, you know, jabbing and, um, you know, consenting and all that stuff. I, it's also been a great opportunity for me to see how far, or how or how far we haven't evolved as nurse, as nurses. 
Do you think, um, you know, the pandem- t- pandemic has affected everything? Do you, how do you think nurses in general have been affected, um, both of those nurses that have been out working for a long time and those you see just coming in as they've trained through the pandemic? The two things that I see most, I see a lot is exhaustion and disconnection is probably the two biggest things. They're doing, um, they're doing, they're not really feeling their way through nursing. They're just doing it as uh, a lot of them are in survival mode and a lot of them feel so grateful that they have this job. Um, there's that aspect and then there's the other aspect where they're just like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, and they just get, feel like they get smashed all the time with more work, with new rules, with new protocols to follow, all of it. And then um, there's just this overwhelm and they're stuck in this overwhelm, but they continue to be in the overwhelm because they feel they have to be in service all the time. These people need us. And so there's a real conflict, I think, um, in how uh, we are as nurses and how people perceive us to be. And I think as nurses, we don't want to let anybody down. I think that's in our DNA a bit, right? And um, it's universal everywhere. And I think there's a real there's a real conflict there with exhaustion and obligation. Oh, I agree. I hear from nurses all the time that tell me that, you know, they're called for extra shifts or asked to stay late or come in early. And that's just playing into all of the exhaustion because they don't want to say no. They don't want to let their patients down for one. And they don't want to let their coworkers down because everyone's exhausted. But it's not helping anyone by by doing that. No, and it happened actually yesterday. We were getting like crazy yesterday and I was asked, do you want to stay back a little bit? And I said, I can't. And the words came up before I even sort of said, actually, I couldn't be bothered staying back. I'm exhausted. I've been team leader and I've been running all day. But then that sense of obligation just fell in and I said, I can do for an, I can do an hour. And it was an hour. But often it's not. Often it's two, three, four hours and it's like, I'm giving up my family for this. So priorities are very are challenged. Yes. And I know in the United States, and you tell me what it's like over there, um, they're throwing big money at people to put in more hours, um, paying people to travel and um, move to different units. And they're, so money is a big factor motivating people. But again, they're burning out at unprecedented rates. Couldn't agree with you more. And nursing universally, you don't go into nursing to make millions. You, you, you go in to serve. And so you follow where you need to serve. And um, yes, we've been throwing a lot of money. Very junior nurses have been throwing a lot of money uh, to work in hubs or to work in hospitals or to relocate into a regional area as well. So they see that we're an essential service, but they see us as doers do the job, but who are we doing the job? And that's the area that is very untapped. And we've got beautiful resources away from the doing just by virtue of being who we are that people don't even know what they don't know, their own capability. And that's what's really highlighted for me. You can be trained to be a nurse. You can be trained with all the tasks and skills and all of that. But who are you doing that? 
Who, who's Sandra? Who's Beth? What other, what other things can you offer that are seamless and effortless, like empathy and compassion and love, not just for your patients, but for everybody, your colleagues, your team, your boss, you know, all of it. Nursing is worth the money they're making. I'm not taking away for, from the money that they are making. They, nursing should be making more money, but you're right. It, there has to be more than just the money um, because it's certainly something that people are going to go to. It kind of causes a divide then in the nurses that are staying and working in the hospitals and then those that are traveling to those hospitals making more money. And so what are we doing to retain those good nurses as well that are that are staying in those hospitals? You know, they don't get the big sign-on bonuses. They don't get the big hourly uh, wage increases because they're these hospital employees. And so I know that there is some divide. And then the travel nurses maybe aren't treated as well either because they're being given the, we all know what assignments that you get when you're a traveler or um, making more money than someone else. So do you think that's happening as well? A hundred percent. We call them agency nurses or bank nurses. Um, And so I remember when I was working in the wards and I was a permanent staff member, um, you know, we get the agency staff to do the crappy jobs, like the the heavy patients, all the, you know, really hard stuff, right? And I'm guilty of that. I have awareness now. Um, And so when I see, when I see currently working in the pandemic, and I think it's very timely that I talk about this kind of environment that we're in right now, is that you can tell the nurses, not all of them, but there is a, there's a majority that are doing it just for the money, just by, oh, my God, I'm going to make a bit of money here today. So I can see the transactional nursing going on there rather than the meaningful nurse, nursing going on around here. And I don't mean to say that in judgment. People do agency work for whatever reason they do. I'm actually casual as well. I do because it suits my life. But it, there's just a difference. And I'm guilty of allocating people that I don't know to work that is crap. I, was, I think we've all done it. <laughs> I think we all have. I think we all have. And um, what I realise now is about... Everybody deserves a fair go and everybody deserves equity in their role, no matter who you are, and support around that. So talk a little bit more about that when you're talking about um, new nurses coming in and experienced nurses and how you see equity working there. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I see that the experienced nurses, there's two, the overgenerous giving how about you try it this way? Let me support you with a new skill or how you can talk to someone to get a lot more um, information out of. And, you know, this is how you talk to someone that's English isn't their first language or someone that's elderly. You don't have to yell at them to get a point across. Then there's the nurses that keep their cards very close to their chest and don't want to share. Like there's that fear of if I tell you too much, you're going to know too much and you're going to be better than me. I'll take it with me. Does, does that, do you know what I mean? Yes, I get that. And they stay in this pipe, if you like, of just so much experience, but they're not letting anyone in. And I see it all the time. And it's almost like sometimes I feel like they're waiting for the youngies to fall. 
they're waiting for it like don't eat your young they're eating their young like right and I see it and I go oh gosh and I really have to bite my tongue because it's we're all equal here we're all out for the same um goals I hope is to serve and yeah, I just find that I'm, I'm, I, I just have this awareness about it all now. I see it. Absolutely. And, you know, those young nurses that we're training are going to take care of us one day. Correct. And so we should do everything that we can to make sure they're, they're going to give the best care that they can. 100%. And they're only going to live, we all live from example, don't we? Yes. Yeah. We have, a, we have a, an, a, an opportunity as, as older nurses to really give as much as we can to them. Why wouldn't we? Like it doesn't make sense. Because nursing was so much different. Um, at least I know when I started and probably for you as well, you've been in it a long time too, you know, with electronic charting and all of the electronic equipment that we use now. Um, patient care, the hours that we spend on the actual patient care is minimal compared to everything around us. Um, I 100% agree. Like it's getting the paperwork in, it's getting the data in, it's making sure that you've ticked your pathways, it's making sure that you've signed where you have to sign. And then, oh, there's a patient here I need to look after. Oh, there's, there's, there's an experience I need to have that is always cut, is often cut short because of protocol or rules or procedures going on along here that we have to do the paperwork because that's more important. And that's where it's, and that's where there's a disconnect between the upper management and funding and government to know exactly what is going on for people. So it is our job as nurses to really represent that, that this is the reality of our lives. And that's where I see the burnout and that's where I see the disconnect and people only coming to work as a means to an end. Right. Because the connection's not there. I agree. You hit the nail on the head. The administration... Um follows the money and the money is in the charting and you know the the things that are given to the patient but not the care of the patient of course the outcomes are important but I think you're right we need to change the focus as nurses onto what's really important and it's not it's not the periphery it's not the stuff we have to spend most of our time on it's really taking good care of that patient and I know the last time we talked um, you told me a little bit about what you think um, the attitude of the new nurses is maybe different now. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I don't want to make over assumptions about about um, anything, but there is a generational shift in 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 how in in nursing. I think when you and I started, it was very much a person centered, person focused. We wrote with our pen. <laughs> we did our final our charts with our pen, normally at the bedside talking as we're sort of doing it. Um, that's a lot of it's taken away and it's sitting at a nurse's um, desk and doing it away often, not always, but often. I think that with this technological age that we're living in, there is a disconnect. The younger generation communicate a lot more via social media and online and on their phones. So the verbal communication um is not often needed the way we had it because that's all we had. Uh, I think that um, this new generation can teach us more about efficiency in how we communicate 100%. I 100% agree. Yes. Uh, what we can teach this generation is the importance of having efficient communication but having empathy as well 
and, you know, walking into a cubicle or walking into a ward and not having a smile on your face because, you know, you, you don't smile. Well, I've been a patient and when a nurse comes in, it's like, oh, gosh, I'm an imposition for this person. Right. I shouldn't be here. I'm not going to ask for help. I'm not going to ask for pain relief. I'm not going to tell you how I'm feeling, that I'm scared, that I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'll just nod my head. That is so important. A hundred percent. Yes. I love that you said that. And I, because I know we get people um, that do the that exact thing and we have to recognize that. And that's part yes. of being, yes. um, reading the room and being emotionally intelligent. And yes. I don't, I don't know. I don't teach, um, undergraduate nurses. I don't teach brand new nurses. Uh, I teach graduate nurses that have been out for a while. And so I don't know the training that they get in, in emotional intelligence. I know that they do here in Australia, they do a psychology unit talking about anxiety, depression, dementia, like, you know, very high level kind of kind of content. There is a little bit of active listening and a bit of communication, but that's overwrought with knowing your anatomy, knowing your physiology, knowing your patho, knowing how to take a blood pressure, knowing how to recognise a deteriorating patient physically. So I think we're getting it better. I'm not saying that we're, we're not, but we've got a way to go. Like there is a real, there's a real gap. I even see them just w- how they are at work, some of them. Like some of them are just like, they can't do enough for you. And there are some that like, yeah, well, you know, I'm here. But that's not just with young nurses either. That's with, it, it's not, I'm not saying the youth are the worst. Like they're not. I've learned a lot from them. Um, but it's also the, the, elder, the elders of the profession, if you like, as well. It's like I'm just waiting for my retirement. I'm just here to just get this, get this job done. And I think, I think, you know, nurses are in a really unique, beautiful and privileged position to really make a difference in someone's life. So when, I, when I'm at the vaccination hub, for example, I know I'm only jabbing, but I could be the only person that speaks to you, that person speaks to you in the whole week. So whilst it's quite transactional, it can be one of the most meaningful conversations that person has with another human being in their week. And you have a story to tell about that. Yes, I have quite a few stories to tell about that. <laughs> um, just last week, so since I spoke with you, I was just in a, vac- in a, in a cubicle. I happened to be just jabbing that day and um, this gentleman comes in and I had to ask him about um, his cardiac history um, and so I, t- I asked him, you know, pericarditis, myocarditis, endocarditis, anything like that. And he just said, oh, I lost my wife a few months ago. She, I found her dead in bed. She had a massive heart attack. And this guy was like uh, in, in his early 50s, you know, looked like he was a bit rough around the edges. And he just just let his bail down, let his, his walls down, and he just spoke. Now, It wasn't I was in there for an hour with him. I was in there for 10 minutes. And he said, um, this is what he told uh, this is what what happened to him. And I said, wow, how does that make you feel now being in the house? And he's like, oh, it's really hard. I'm by myself. I've got not many friends around me. And at the end of the day, I didn't have a solution for him, but he thanked me for just listening to him. Yeah. And I said, that is my privilege to listen to you. Thank you for sharing. That is, and, and he's one of many. You know, that's just it. And it's 
taking the opportunity. It's not looking at a deltoid muscle and putting a needle in that muscle, right? It's like these people come in with a story and you don't have time to be going, oh my gosh, what's going on? But people come to you that need to come to you. This is what happens. So it's, it's just what happens. No one can explain it, but people come to you and not just in the cubicle, I'm telling you in life, when they need to come to you, when they're ready. And you had another important this story that I know was a young person that came to you and opened up to you in the very short time, a young woman. I've had quite a few. There's another one, actually. This lady came in and I have to ask, you know, are you pregnant? Uh, one of the, one of the um, questions. And um, she goes, no, I'm not pregnant. And I said, okay. And then we went on with the question. She goes, I've just, I've just actually miscarried. She was a very young girl. And I said, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm crying. And I said, you don't need to apologize for crying because your grief is your biggest healer. Now, I didn't rehearse this. This just came in. Your grief is your biggest healer. Feel the grief. Be in the grief so that you can now heal to create a new life. I do not know where that came from. She came into my cubicle. I said those words, not rehearsed, not on a pathway, not an assessment tool. It just came in. And she was so grateful when she left. She felt listened. She felt safe. And I felt, what a privilege. What a privilege to be able to do that. And that's the gift of nursing that no other profession has. I really believe that. I, my only hope is I, that people recognize the wealth in other people, the fear, the loss, the sadness. Like I, I, that's the biggest lesson I want to leave in this world is that it's not just about the hip replacement. It's not just about the cancer treatment. It's about the person. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've made a difference in lots of people's lives, not for bragging, but just for listening. And how important that is for people to hear, because it is that few minutes that you spend with someone, you've made all the difference in the world for that person at that time. That's amazing. Because that's the way I would like to be treated. That's the only reason. And that I have empathy for others, but it's just like, well, how will I, I'm no one to you. If I'm coming in just for the jab, I'm no one to you. And, but I am, but I don't, I shouldn't have to prove it. Sometimes it's just an energy that you feel that you just you just got to just drop into it. And it's not something that you can learn at uni or at college. It's just something that you learn with experience and stopping and reflecting. And I think nurses aren't great at it. <laughs> We're not really good at reflecting. So what I find is that when there's been a critical incident or a, you know, a, a, we call it a code blue, um, you know, an emergency and, we, we save the life, we get the person into ICU and they're fine. And then there's the fragmented nurses. They go, are you okay? Are you okay? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And they're not. And then they just go, oh, that's what you, that's what you have to put up with, with nursing. That's it. That's what you have to put up with. And it's not. And people that are asking, are you okay, often don't know what to do if they're not. Right. And so, you know, so... Uh, it's not about being a psychologist. It's just providing space to listen, and that's it. We had a similar program um, that was developed at the hospital I was at. Uh, if we had a death in an, in the OR or a 
core outcome unexpected, they would offer a debrief yes. to the team that was involved at that time. And the funny thing is, we rarely had people come to those mm. when they were held. And I don't know if they thought they didn't need it or they saw it as a sign of weakness if they came, but it was a service that was offered and um, it really didn't go anywhere. No, and there's, it, there's that, it's almost, um, it feels shameful to ask for help, I think, generally, but there's also that tokenistic, oh, we better, we better offer this to the staff because this is what you do. Right, and then it's like, oh, if I rock up to do it, they're going to think I'm not coping. They're going to think that there's something wrong with me. They're going to think, oh, no, so I'll just leave it because no one else is doing it. So everyone else is fine when no one is fine. Like it's so. I think that um, uh, nurse managers and nurses in general need to learn how to communicate and just sit people down and just say, "Hey, you're actually feeling." Absolutely. That's it. That's the only question you need to ask. How you're actually feeling, mm-hmm. and that is it. And if they're fine, they say, "Okay, I oh, know I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine." You know, you know, I just want to get on with it. And if they don't want to open up, it's a conversation to say, "Well, you know that I'm here if you need to," and it's a trusted, confidential conversation that we're having. Right. That is it. Even if you just make the offering, but make the offering, and especially now in, in this time of burnout and exhaustion and depression and anxiety that we're all feeling and being in this profession managers i don't think are trained are they're not equipped to to know what to do either and so we need to figure out a way at to help our supervisors our managers our directors help them realize what to do as well and offer something to those people i think it's acknowledging the overwhelm I think it's acknowledging that first. Yet, you know, it's crappy at the moment. It's hard. It's relentless. This pandemic's not going away just yet. There are things that we need to do. There are people that we need to keep safe. So whilst we've always wanted to keep our patients safe, it's not always about the patient. It's about our teams, keeping our teams safe, supported. But how does a manager do that if they've never done this before, never been in a pandemic before? How do we... Um, bolster them up and equip them and it's not something that they can read in a necessarily read in a book it's having a conversation with someone that knows how to communicate with people have you tried this strategy doesn't cost a lot of money or why aren't nurses asking each other what's going on for them like at, at a senior level there's a lot of ego that plays in our profession um it, i think that's universal not in just in nursing but there is ego that plays in that, that we need to be seen to be knowing what we're doing and having it all together all the time. And I think that's uh, our biggest downfall as well. And if we're living up in the ego and not in a heart sort of felt space, then we're never going to get past this um, need to prove ourselves that we're okay. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, we need to let go of that. I think when you're thinking from, when you're feeling and living from your shoulders up into your head, rather than your shoulders down, there the sweat becomes the disconnect. That is great. Well, I you have so much experience and you are taking a lot of your experience, your knowledge, and you're moving into doing some new things as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I am. And I have had a lot of resistance around it. So if anyone's trying to find something new to do, feel the resistance. It's going to come. And boy, mine's like a brick wall. 
So what I'm looking at doing is moving into a different scope in my life and focusing on this exact conversation around cultures, around empathy, around communication and uh, in different sectors, not only in health. I'd like to move, uh, um, like spread it wide to disability, to aged care um, and general practice and really focus on how we as nurses have a, a fantastic opportunity to really improve our own well-being and, and, and our health as well as the health and well-being of others. We have to start from ourselves. We have to start from us first. We can't give from an empty cup. And I know that's like, oh, God, I'm not saying that again. But it's true because I want people to come to work as them. I don't want people to put their representative on to say, I'm a nurse now. I'm not a mother. I'm not a daughter. I'm not a human being. I want people to come in with that. I want people to be proud of who they are coming in without without any, um, I've got to be this person today or that person today. Just be you because you're enough. So I um, have a real motivation around that because I've been in too many jobs in my life where I had to be what people wanted me to be. And slowly I realised that what's going on here? Who am I? And by the end of my last job, I was a shell of a person. I was a shell. I didn't even know who the hell I was. Work became more important than family. I was crazy at home. And I was professional at work. There was a real disconnect. And I was mentally burnt. I was mentally burnt and I had to just walk away. I don't want that for people because good people are leaving our profession in droves. You just described my story to a T. I can so understand what you're talking about. And um, I'm glad that I had the support that I had to get through that. Um, and just like you, I had to leave that position as well, uh, positioned I like very much, but I could not do that. It was I was completely burnt out too. So I totally understand where you're coming from. And I'm so excited that you're doing something from your misfortune <laughs> to <laughs> teach others. What will you teach others? Just start by being you. That is it. And really delve deep into the gifts that you've been given because we've all got it. So when I was, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was little, I had, um, I was pretty crap at sport, at art, at crafts, at anything. And we used to, I, used to I, I grew up Catholic. And so, you know, what are the gifts that God gave you, right? And so, you know, Helene would say, oh, yeah, I can run really fast and I can climb the jungle gym and, oh, I can paint and do calligraphy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, oh, Sandra, what, what, what? What are the gifts that God gave you? And I said, oh, no, I'm a good listener. And I could feel the chuckles coming in. And um, I thought, oh, that's not enough. I have to be somebody else. And so all my life I've tried to be somebody else. And now I've realised everything I have is right here. I can listen, I can understand, and I have empathy. And I want nurses to know not to search too far out to who you really are. Come back to who you really are. And it's a process and so, and it's not for the faint-hearted. It takes commitment and discipline to show up for yourself because we're not used to doing that. That 
is incredible. And I, what a great place to start. And I'm sure that that story, those giggles, those chuckles come back at you sometimes, which is part of probably what the resistance you're feeling, that imposter syndrome that we all talk about and hear about. And um, you have a good handle on it. Yeah, sharing that with others is going to be so important. I do, but I have my days still. Yeah, I still have my days of complete doubt, complete, what are people going to think? What are they going to say? Who am I? You know, I, I, and that's my biggest resistance because I've always worried about that. And I know I'm not the only one. You um, are not the only one. <laughs> so that, that's where I'm coming from, from a place of real compassion for that child in me that was laughed at. Yes. And how I had to pivot at a very young age to be quiet and to not show that I couldn't do anything else. Or people didn't expect much of me anyway. So because my gifts weren't something you could see, it's something you could feel. So that was an important thing. You are going to help so many people and I am very thankful to have met you and to get your story out as well because I think this is going to help you grow your business there are going to be people that need what you offer and I I can't wait to watch it grow and have people find you this way thank you thank you so much for this opportunity of um nothing was rehearsed here it's all it's all just coming as I've been talking to you and um I want people to feel comfortable that they can do the same in life that that's it so I'm nothing special I'm nothing oh my god I'm not Oprah I'm not Brene I'm no one like that I'm just me and I'm Sandra and that's it and I'll come in with my flavor with my little secret herbs and spice (laughs) I love that Sandra what uh tips or advice would you leave for nurses tips and advice I would leave for nurses is to is to listen when things don't feel right when you feel like you're not being listened or you feel like things aren't going right or culture isn't right in your workplace because the culture that you you um, enable is the, is the culture that grows. And so I think it's having courage and I think that's the key for everything is courage. It's, it's harder than confidence. It's harder than knowing what you're doing. It's courage that comes from your heart. And if something isn't right, people just need to speak up and have the courage. That's it. That's all I ask, to have courage within themselves for their own self-worth and having courage and empathy for others. That's amazing. And once people can do that, I can only imagine that they would feel relieved and released of a lot of what they're holding back. Yes, yes, it's true. And things aren't as hard. Things aren't as hard anymore. You do, you go through life with ease. It's not, I've got to work hard to achieve this. It's just like, I'm going to feel my way. And if it doesn't feel right, and I think in our last conversation, we talked about intuition. And if we're thinking in our heads, we switch off our intuition in our gut or in our heart. So it's really getting into that, finding the intuition that will then propel you forward with the courage and the empathy that way rather than in your head these are things i should be saying i should find the solution here and there it doesn't come from here it comes from something very deep um that all nurses have because we've all got our intuition we do we do i thank you so much for coming on and sharing um your insights your thoughts your stories because they're very powerful 
and I want people to be able to find you. Um, where can people find you? So I'm starting as I'm, I'm still in the feeder stage at the moment. So I'm going to be launching a podcast as well, uh, Start By Being You, and I'm building my website and Instagram and Facebook handles and stuff as we speak. So um, I'll have it in the show notes anyway. I'll, I'll pop it in and um, come and join me there and have a chat and, um, and a time just to reflect and to connect. I can't wait to come and listen to your podcast when it's up and running. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure being here. Thank you, Beth. Donate Your Young was produced in partnership with True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by The Lighthearts. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at DonateYourYoung.com. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. But the best thing you could do to support the show is to share it with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.